we start on that the fourth part of the subject we're trying to cover now what the church should be doing remembering that i've said that the church should be doing what jesus did and all the things that jesus did and the holy spirit highlighted in the word of god we need to make sure that every local church is participating in all of those things and i've got 15 things on I'm now on to, uh, on, on to the, well, I think it's 15 or 16, but I'm on the 14th one now uh, that I want to start this, the, the, the uh, sorry, the, the 13th one that I want to start this morning. And we read in Luke chapter 24, and we'll pick up in verse um, 49, if, if you've got your Bibles and you look at it for yourself. Jesus said this, I have come to bring fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. So Jesus is saying, I've come and I'm going to bring fire. Now, there are three fires. We're going to come to them in, the, in a moment. But I want to finish reading this. But these three fires Jesus came to do, to bring about. And these three fires should be what we in the church are also doing. And seeing that they're coming through the life of the church, the body of Christ. So he says this. I want to read on. Uh, and he says, Oh, let me read it again. I've come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and, and how distressed I am until it is completed. Do you think I've come to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but division. Now that's startling, isn't it? Because Jesus is our peace, and he does give us God's peace, and he made peace for, on our behalf with God for us through his sacrificial death, etc. But he's saying, yeah, I've actually also come to bring division. We're going to look at what that means in a moment. Well, well let me hear verse 52 actually begins to help us to understand a bit of that. Do you think I've come to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you about division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, etc. And so he goes on. So what does that really mean? That's the first fire I want to look at this morning, is that he came to bring a, a fire that basically is this, that it's going to that there are going to be times in our lives when, when there are going to be decisions that are, we have to make. The fire that we're talking about demands decisions that can be sometimes very difficult. They can cause division. Now, what do I mean by that? If, if God's wanting the body of Christ to be united, uh, what, what, what is Jesus saying here? Well, by and large, what he's saying is that there are going to be some very hard choices for us as leaders. Well, even in the, the sheep, all of us. There are hard choices sometimes we have to make that could cause people to misunderstand us. <clears throat> Excuse me. It could even cause some, some real division. Jesus actually said, and it's true for leaders as well as the sheep, that if we love our families even more than we love him, it's going to be a problem. It's not acceptable. So sometimes our families are not going to be understanding why we're doing what God's telling us to do. Uh, and they're going to sometimes misunderstand that. But we've got to be settled in our hearts. We've got to make these choices, difficult as they are, and do what God has said before the demands 
and requirements or what our families even say they need. Now, that doesn't mean we'll ever neglect them. We'll always look after our families. If we don't know how to look after our own families, we're worse than the heathen, the Bible says. But there are going to be times when we have to put God first. What he's saying, that could be in conflict with what our families desire. For us as leaders, but that's also for the sheep. We've got to help the sheep to understand that God first. Seek first the kingdom, putting Christ first. All right. Uh, we can't, as I said earlier on, we can't be peacetakers. We have to be peacemakers. And you only make peace by bringing truth into a situation. So uh, if you love the praises of people more than the, the, the praises of God, like Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 43, then we, we're not going to be uh, doing what God wants us to do. We're going to be trying to please people and not please God. We're going to have a heart that said God first. So he says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of God or of Christ. So decisions, tough ones that can cause misunderstanding. Second fire is the fire that John the baptizer spoke about when he said in John and Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, that there comes one after me and he says this of him, he will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, the Holy Spirit baptism, so many people like to talk about the power, but at the neglect of the fire. See, power and purity, that's the fire of God. That's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not only power, it's power and purity. And power through purity is poof, dynamite power. All right, so with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Remember in Acts chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, when the Holy Spirit came down upon them on the, on the day of Pentecost, they heard that. What happened? The cloven tongues of fire settled on their heads, and then they heard also the sound of a mighty rushing wind. That's the power and the purifying. In uh, Acts chapter 15, verse 9, when uh, Peter's standing before the, the Jerusalem council, uh, and he's been questioned as to why he went to that to and spoke to to uh, Gentiles. Uh, Peter actually says, "You know what happened on that day in Acts chapter fifteen, verses eight and nine. He says, "The Holy Spirit made no difference between them and us, purifying their hearts by faith." Now he didn't talk about the wind. He didn't even talk about the power. He talked about the purifying. So remember that this Jesus came to purify. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, talking about the fire, it says this, do not put out the Spirit's fire, the Holy Spirit's fire. So we have to move on, unfortunately. But that's part of what we're to preach, and that's part of what we're to live out. And then the, there's a third aspect of the fire that Jesus said, I've come to bring fire, and that's the fire of judgment. The, what do I mean by that? Well, Jesus said in Chapter, John chapter 9, verse 39, For judgment I have come into the world. Now we know that there are two aspects of judgment, that all unbelievers will stand before the great white throne and give an account of what, what they did with the claims of Christ, why they rejected him, why they neglected him, why they just ignored him, whatever the case may be. And then Christians are also going to have a, a, a judgment, leaders included, and that judgment is going to be when we stand before the great, uh, the, the uh, judgment seat of Christ and we give an account to Jesus of what we did with all the opportunities that he provided for us. Uh, well, we've got to 
Jesus taught these things. He spoke about them. And the church needs to be doing exactly the same. We can't avoid these facts. People that don't know Christ, when they stand before that great white throne, they're going to go to hell. It's eternal separation from God. But those of us who know Christ, there's no, the great white throne is not part of our, our, what we face, but we do face that judgment seat of Christ. Um, I hope you understand that. You can read for yourself in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through to 15, in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 to 11, about us standing before the judgment seat of Christ. And you can have a look at the great white throne scriptures, Revelation 20, verses 11 through to 15, uh, one, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5 through to 10, and John 5, John chapter 5, verses 21 to 23, about judgment. Now we must move on. Jesus didn't only come to do those things that we've already talked about. He also said in John chapter 10, verse 28, and I'm going to read these few verses to you, just uh, John chapter 10. Uh, 10 just uh, two or three verses here in verse 28 I'm going to read in verse 27 he says this my sheep shall listen uh, to my voice I know them and they know me I give them eternal life now eternal life has to do with quality as well as quantity it's not only life forever but it's good life the best abundant life eternal life and then he goes on he says and they shall never perish no one can snatch them out of my hand. My father, has, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. So Jesus came also to bring us security and safety. Our security as leaders needs to be not in our ministry. Our security needs to be in him. And him alone, our family. Our family security needs to be not in one another, but in Christ alone. That's the major source. The center of our security is Christ and Christ alone. Say, so he's come to give us security and safety. He brings safety. We, we see that even through his prayers. Jesus has prayed in John chapter 17, verse 15. He says, keep them, Father. Keep them. He's praying for God to keep them. He said that to Peter. I prayed for you. Uh, so we, we have security and safety through the prayers of Jesus. We also have security and safety through the power of Jesus. The 1 Peter chapter 1 verse says, 5 verse says, we are kept by the power of God. In John 10, 28, no man can pluck them out of us out of his hand. In um, Jude chapter, uh, Jude verse 24, he says, that Jesus is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. So he is able to keep us from falling. We're kept by his power. He, uh, Paul said, I'm, uh, I'm persuaded that Jesus, he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Now I've committed myself to him. I've committed my family to him. I commit people to Christ and he's able to keep them. We're kept by the power of God. And then we're also kept not only... Uh, through Jesus' prayer and through um, what what uh, uh, the the blood of Jesus, uh, etc. But we we also uh, sorry uh, we kept safe through the, the the blood of Jesus as well. Not just only by His power, but by His blood. And one John three eight talks about Him keeping us by His power. That He came for this reason was or cause was the 
the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the evil one. Revelation 12, 8 said, tells us, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So we have all these promises of protection. I'm just going to give you four quick ones here. That, but bear this in mind. This is what Jesus came to do, to protect us, keep us safe, and for us to help people to understand that he does that for them. Promises of protection. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, He will not allow us to be tempted above what we're able to endure, but he will always make a way of escape so that we can endure it. In 2 Thessalonians verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3, it says, The Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Romans 8.37 says, We're more than conquerors through him that loves us. In 2 Corinthians 4 verses 14 to 16, you read through that. And in the middle there it says that he will, who always causes us to triumph. And all of that is in Christ. So we move to the next point. What did the church come to, Jesus come to do and what should the church be doing? Well, he came also to set us apart to set apart for himself, to prepare for himself, to sanctify for himself a bride that he it's going to be for himself when, when that great wedding feast comes and that's going to happen. I don't know when, but I can't believe that it's much, much longer when I look at what's happening around the world today. Titus chapter 2 verse 14. This is to set aside a bride, to sanctify, set apart for himself a bride. It says, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do good works. That's what Jesus came to do. And so our preaching and our ministry of all, at every level needs to bring about that, that God can take your words and bring his life and fire and purify and prepare the bride. Hebrews 10.10 10 says, we've been made holy through the sacrifice of God, of Christ. Ephesians 5.27 says that he, he talking about uh, what Jesus did, and to present her, the church, to himself as a radiant church without spot, without wrinkle. And then in Revelation 19.7, it says this, and that day is coming. I reckon it's speeding up now. The wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself perfect. So he's come to set aside, set apart, prepare for himself a bride, who's going to spend eternity with him. Now, those are the things that Jesus did. I think I've given you 15 things there. Now, here's something that is so important, because what I'm saying to you is now, well, now you go out and try and do it. Jesus did all of this supernaturally. Every single thing he did is, is supernatural. Remember in Luke chapter 4, verse 19 and 20, when he was quoting Isaiah 60, he says, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. The Lord has anointed me. That anointing is the power of God with the presence of God in us. From his birth to his resurrection and ascension, Jesus worked, lived supernaturally. Healing, raising the dead, walking on water, turning water into wine, feeding the multitudes, whatever he did, Jesus walked supernaturally, but he walked as a man. He had laid aside his divinity. So it's possible for us to be able to do these things because the anointing that Jesus experienced, he, the anointed one, anoints us with his Holy Spirit and we can do these, these things. So 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20 says, 
The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. We must walk in the anointing, in the supernatural. God wants leaders that live supernaturally because the church is to be a supernatural entity on this planet. Yes, we look like others, but we live differently and we can do what God wants us to do. You can read Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Mark 16 verses 15 through to 20. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall, and he tells us, speak in new tongues, heal the sick, etc. Lay hands on the sick, etc. And in Luke 24, 49, he said to the disciples, wait in Jerusalem till you be endued with power. Receive the promise of the Father. And so these are the things that God wants us, uh, to, the church, to become involved in. Don't just say, well, I want to just do a certain amount of things and do them well. These 15 are, uh, aspects are the minimum. And I hope that they encompass everything else that you find in the Word of God. But here's what I want to ask you as I try to bring this to a close now. Is go and teach your people the following when they gather. When they come together, whether it's in a Sunday meeting, whether it's a prayer meeting, Bible study, home, cell, whatever it may be, teach your people these four things. First, prepare themselves before they come. There's four little P's I'm going to give you here. Prepare yourself to come to the meeting. Before you read God's Word, even at home, when you're going to go and get alone with God, prepare your heart. Don't rush in and rush out. Don't try and get it over with now you've done your religious thing. Prepare yourselves. Teach your people to prepare themselves. Secondly, to participate in. They don't just spectate. They've got to become involved and participate in. And when we take the Word of God on our own, we've got to participate in it and see ourselves in that story and live out what God says to us. Third, then that brings us to this third point, practice. Practice what you hear God say to you. Teach the people to practice, to go out and do it. And fourthly, that they come with purpose to become more like Jesus. Not just to hear another word or be entertained or to sing some songs, but they, they get, the purpose is, I'm going to become more like Jesus. Well, that's where we started, isn't it, with this, this message. When we said that the church, Jesus came to show us what the Father was like. And we like we to be like Jesus, showing people what the Father's like. So to become more like Jesus, to be better equipped, that's part of the purpose. Better equipped to serve Him, to learn. We come to the meetings, we come before the Word of God, we take the Word of God, to learn more of His Word, His will, His ways, and all His wonders. This will change your meetings, and this will change your message. If you listen to what I'm saying, go before God. Be serious about it and give God an opportunity to be what he wants to be in and through your life and your church. Now, just want to close this message now with this little quote from Billy Graham. He says, our influence on society depends on our likeness to Jesus Christ. We cannot elevate others higher than we ourselves have gone. The first century Christians outthought, outlived, outloved their neighbors and by their example of purity and compassion attracted thousands to the Christian faith and the Lord adds to the church daily that's his desire 
God's blessing be upon you. And I'm going, I'm asking, Father, your blessing on every one of these precious people that comes under the sound of this message, that they'd hear your word in the words of a man and not just be listening as listeners, but hearers that do. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. 